0: The Nick Abbott Habit. There was a tremendous amount of news about this week, but no one was paying any attention because every little thing that any politician said on any subject was dissected and poured over like they actually meant it. They didn't mean it. You know when a politician says, vote for me and I will give you more money in your pocket and I will personally put it there and give you an intimate squeeze while I'm doing it, totally free and at no cost to you, the consumer. You know when they say that the sun will shine more brightly and your car will go more quickly and there will always be something to watch on TV? And they say that the future of the country is safe with me and you will never get ill or poor and your dog will never die. All you have to do is vote for me. Well, they're lying about all that. We know they're lying about all that because they did it last time and the time before that and the time before that. And besides, the leader of the country is not actually the person who is leading the country. The Prime Minister of the day is about as much power over the future of the country as I have over gravity. Rupert Murdoch runs this country, Goldman Sachs runs this country, and BP and HSBC and BAE run this country. The Most a Prime Minister can do is go with the flow and take credit for the good things that happen to occur on their watch and blame everything else on the previous government or the weather. At least they won't be able to hide behind the excuse that something that goes wrong is the EU's fault for very much longer they're going to have to start blaming Russia or whoever takes over after Donald Trump's put in jail. And that can't be too far away. Seriously, I take this on Wednesday and by the time it comes out on Friday, Donald Trump could have staged a coup, killed all the journalists on the Washington Post and any comedians that have made fun of his hair and installed huge pictures of himself on the side of every government building in America. Or he could have flown away for a bromantic holiday with his bestest pal in the world, Vladimir Putin... Or he could have given the job to President to his son-in-law Jared Kushner, who seems to be doing every other job in government. We could have just put a sign on the Oval Office door that says "Gone golfing back in three years. My money's on him having a temper tantrum that he can't just do what he wants, and him having to be put down or like you put a baby down after it's feeding, not like you put down a sick animal, although he fired a man who was investigating him for underhand discussions with the Russians. And the people who speak on his behalf, when he's too busy starting Twitter wars with celebrities, said that he had to fire the man leading the FBI, James Comey, because the man who took over from the man who Trump fired from being the National Security Advisor told him to. Yeah, I know, it's, it's getting very complicated. Trump fired the man he hired to be the National Security Advisor because of his Russian ties, as opposed to Donald Trump's ties, which I think he has made in China. I think they make them extra long to compensate for his tiny weenie. Anyway, the man who's sitting in for the man that Trump fired from being the National Security Advisor told Trump to fire the man who was running the FBI. That was their story. And all the White House spokespeople stuck to that story in the press and on TV and on the radio, and the story was rock-solid. Donald Trump had nothing to do with the decision to fire the man from the FBI who was investigating him for colluding with Russia to win the election. Nothing to see here. Please move along. And then, catastrophe. Donald Trump himself went on TV to do another one of his jaw-dropping car crash interviews and he was asked who made the decision to fire the man from the FBI and Trump said he did. It was all me. I am the decider. I fired him. I said, you're fired. It's my catchphrase. I'm very important. I'm the president. Can you believe it? So after a week of careful manipulation of the media by the White House staff, Trump undid all their work in one second on TV because he just couldn't bear to make it seem like someone told him what to do. He's so desperate for approval and to seem manly and decisive that he took credit for obstructing the FBI investigation into himself. It was priceless. And some American journalists asked Vladimir Putin about all this. And Vlad said, and this is a direct quote turned into English by his official translator, Vlad said that Trump was acting in accordance with his competence. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that great? It was the only time Vladimir Putin has ever made me laugh. Other than that uncontrollable laugh of panic that some people get when they're in great danger. You know, like you're being chased by a tiger and you can't help yourself, bursting into terrified giggles. That is an actual thing. Look it up. Then, of course... As though that wasn't enough, Trump met with Russian diplomats who came in offering glow-in-the-dark sushi. Donald asked for his sushi to be cooked. Well done. He's classy that way. And after spending the whole time on the campaign trail saying how Hillary Clinton was careless with classified information, he spills a load of classified information to the Russians. He just let it blurt all out. He unpucketed his day-glow orange lips and it just all poured forth about ISIS and probably China and everything else that he had learned from his staff who'd told him that this was all hush-hush and top secret, but he just couldn't help himself. And when the security services had a major cow about it, Donnie says that he just wanted to share and that he is the president and he can do that. Can you believe that? It's like when you were a child and you told your younger brother that you scratched the car and it's a secret... And the first thing he does is, rush and tell mummy. And the White House press people, who must be due a holiday by now or time off for emotional distress, they ran about saying that it didn't matter that the President of the United States of America can't keep his mouth shut and doesn't understand the gravity of the position he's in. I think that someone should tell Donnie he's not a television game show host anymore and that what he says actually does matter. It was incredible. The White House scrambled to claim that Trump had not shared highly classified information with the Russians and then they said that he might have told them something but that what he told them was false, fake, that he told them misleading information to throw the Russians off the trail. But, of course, Donny doesn't read the script and he doesn't listen to anyone. So he went on Twitter and said that he did tell the Russians state secrets and everybody around him started pulling out their hair or what hair they had left. If you gave him a gun... The first thing he'd do is shoot himself in the foot with it. And he said it wasn't wrong for the president to release confidential information to the Russians because as president he can do what he wants. That is the actual excuse he came up with. And the Israelis are freaking out because they were the ones that provided that intel about the fight with ISIS. And it came from undercover people embedded with the terrorists, apparently who are now at risk of being killed for their efforts. And other nations are thinking of not telling America anything that's top secret anymore because with Trump in charge, it won't stay secret for very long. Tell Trump something in confidence and it's so unlikely to stay a secret they might as well take an ad out in the papers. And it's hard to believe we're at a place in the development of mankind that what Donald Trump says matters. Frankly, I've just about had it with the human race. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Of course, Trump doesn't think he's done anything wrong. He thinks he's still the most tremendously tremendous person that has ever existed, despite what the Mirror tells him. His administration might be the funniest and most alarming mess in the history of politics, and that's a pretty crowded field. There's more organisation in one of those comedy car acts that clowns put on at the circus, you know, the ones where all the doors blow out and the wheels come off. I could be alarmed, but I've decided to be amused until he declares war on Britain because Boris Johnson has stolen his hairstyle. And even Republicans are talking about Watergate-scale cover-ups and the odds on Trump getting slung out of office this year are tumbling and pretty much the only thing that can save him now is starting a war with someone so that everyone's attention is on personal survival and supporting our boys and wrapping themselves in the flag and we'll be right there by his side because apparently we're desperate to ingratiate ourselves with him just to get a trade deal after we leave the EU. Truly, we live in interesting times. Just don't blow us all up yet, Donnie. Please, I'm planning a barbecue for the weekend. If you could just put off the inevitable global thermonuclear war for after summer, that would be great. Thanks, Donnie. You're the best. What's even more alarming is that Trump's surrounded himself with people that are even scarier than he is. If he goes, it's that hollowed-out, bright-white halo Mike Pence that will be the leader of the free world and you'd better not be gay or black or atheist or poor or a woman in Mike Pence's buttoned-up holier-than-thou world. So maybe we'd all better hope that Donnie doesn't go just yet. Think of all the comedy we'll miss. Did you hear that he lumbered on board some American Navy aircraft carrier and told them to go back to using steam power? (laughs) I'm not making that up. The US Navy uses electromagnetic catapults to launch the planes from its deck. But Donnie doesn't like electromagnetic anything, mostly because it's hard to say and hard to spell and wouldn't leave much room for anything else in a tweet. He was taking a tour of the aircraft carrier Gerald L. Ford in Virginia in March, and he was told that the carrier's new electromagnetic catapult was having teething problems. And he said, and we know he said this because he actually volunteered this information to Time magazine, who were interviewing him later, he said, ''It sounded bad to me, digital.'' They have digital. What is digital? It's very complicated. You have to be Albert Einstein to figure it out. Now, just imagine if any other world leader than Donald Trump had said that. Put those words into Theresa May's mouth and see if you would have confidence in her ability to run a bath, let alone a country. What is digital? You have to be Albert Einstein to figure it out. And if there's one thing we can all agree on, Donald Trump ain't no Albert Einstein. And so he asked what system they were going to use in other aircraft carriers, and they said digital. And Donnie said, and this is a direct quote, he said, no, you're not, you're going to use goddamn steam. And the Pentagon was somewhat taken aback because to go back to using goddamn steam catapults would mean redesigning the whole goddamn ship. They stopped using goddamn steam because it shook the ship to bits and used up so much space on board that they couldn't take as many planes. But Donnie wanted to look presidential and decisive and commanding, so he presidentially took command and made an instant decision based on no knowledge of anything whatsoever and then lurched away in a cloud of orange makeup like the ocean-going buffoon that he is. But to be fair, he is a military expert, though. You remember that he expertly managed to get out of joining the military in the Vietnam draft five times because of some supposed bone growth on his heel that apparently only affects the offspring of very rich men, and which fortunately hasn't impeded his ability to play golf on days when he isn't spilling state secrets to foreign aggressors. I still can't believe that man's leader of the free world. He's top dog and we his bitches. Donald Trump, President of the United States of America. It still sounds like the plot to a Simpsons cartoon. It's like I took some heavy drugs last November and I haven't come round yet. I have... Got to stop smoking everything I find in the spice rack in the kitchen i'm I'm on about three pinches of pepper a day now, man, but I can handle it. I'm just feeling a bit sneezy at the moment. That's all. And there is a spice problem by the way, just not the stuff you buy in Tesco's. often Jones this week called for the drug spice to be legalized and allowed back into shops. This is the stuff that has people staggering around like zombies, which the papers have recently taken to printing pictures of, having temporarily run out of snaps of Kim Kardashian's giant bottom. I don't know what you're thinking. Who the hell is this person called Arfon Jones, and what does he know about anything? Well, he's a police and crime commissioner in North Wales, and Arfon Jones knows his patch. He was a policeman of 30 years' experience, and is so Welsh that his name is Arfon. And he lives in a place spelled G-E-R-S-Y-L-L-T. A place named that only a black belt in the Welsh language should attempt to pronounce for fear of dislocating their tongue. And so drawing on his vast experience, Arfon said that criminalising the drug, which used to be legal and sold in what hippies call head shops, had driven its production underground and made it more deadly. It's pretty much the same story with marijuana, apart from the selling it in head shops part. It's because marijuana is illegal that has directly led to its increasing potency. It's more profitable to sell the stronger stuff, so why would a dealer sell something weaker for less money? The penalty is the same regardless of its strength, so the law and basic economics have conspired to produce grass that is so strong that Willie Nelson is thinking of writing a song about it. But this spice stuff's another thing entirely. It makes skunk seem as powerful as a lime cordial. It's apparently as addictive as heroin and crack and costs just £5 a bag. And before you think that sounds like excellent value for money, be aware that it has left addicts with severe psychotic episodes, hallucinations, vomiting and seizures. And that doesn't sound like a good night out. But the people who are taking it aren't doing it for a little light relief from their stressful day at work. They're taking it because they want to blot out the life that they're leading with the cheapest thing at their disposal. And like super strong grass being a result of the underground marketplace... So high-strength spice has been created because there's no regulation on its ingredients and its effects. Ministers outlawed possession of the drug last year, probably at the same time as they were looking the other way, while car manufacturers were deliberately polluting the air and killing us just to make more money. So they made spice illegal, and that policy is going so well they've even got a spice drug problem in prisons. If you can't keep it out of a secure facility, how are you going to keep it out of Rill and Prostatin and Glasgow and Gala Shields? In Manchester, spice users are collapsing so frequently that the emergency services can't cope. They say that almost all the city's young homeless people are hooked on it. And I would guess that's because if you have no home and no job and no future and are living outside the comfortable cappuccino society that the rest of us inhabit, you want the least expensive way to pass the day you can get. And a fiver for a joint of spice that's equal to a 100 ordinary marijuana joints would seem to be just the thing. Towns and cities all over the country have also reported problems with this stuff. And if it isn't round your way yet, just wait, it will be. And Arfon Jones, the Police and Crime Commissioner for North Wales, said, I believe that the war on drugs was lost many years ago and we need a new approach to dealing with problematic drug use. He said, I have felt for some time that the current prohibitive stance is extremely damaging to individuals and their communities. Finally, someone with direct experience has spoken. We can add his voice to the myriad other experts with direct experience who have come to the same conclusion and have spoken on this issue frequently, to whom the government never, ever listens. There's a war on learning the lessons of the war on drugs. And finally... Television. I was watching television with my mother, who's one of those people who watches TV live. I never do that, unless it's the news or football, but she does. And it was Prime Minister, or yes, Prime Minister, rather, and it was quite brilliant, really. It was the one where they were discussing the brand-new Trident missile defence system that was being talked about for the first time back then in uh, 1980. And they were using the same arguments that I always bang on about whenever it comes up today. It won't work, it costs too much, what's the point? We'll never use it, that sort of thing. Anyway, the ads come on, and because it's live, we have to sit through the adverts, which is something I never do. Honestly, companies are just wasting their money on advertising on television programmes nowadays. It's only my mum that watches them. Along came this advert of a sad young boy and his mum, and there'd been a tragedy in the family, and the little boy was going through his dead dad's things to mournful music, very sad. And then he's off out walking with his mum on a suitably grey and sad day, And he's asking about his dad. What was dad like, he says. And his mum looks all wistful and mournful. And she says he was tall with big hands. And the boy looks at his tiny hands and is sad. And his mum says he was always smart. And the boy yanks up his jeans that are hanging down round his arse in the modern manner. And his mum says how shiny his dad's shoes used to be. And the sad little boy looks down at his own filthy trainers. Because he really wants to be like his dead dad, you see. So that he can connect with the big gap in his life. And his mum says how good his dad was at football and a ball comes at them from a kickabout they're walking past and the little boy tries to kick it back and fails. And the sad music gets sadder because this little boy isn't anything like his dad at all. And his mum says that his dad was a wow with all the girls and two girls walk past and the sad little boy smiles at them and they cut him dead and he looks fit to cry when at that moment they happen upon a McDonald's restaurant in the middle of nowhere and they order their food-like products, and sit down, and guess what? He's only ordered a fillet of fish. And his mum says, that was your dad's favourite too, tartar sauce all down his chin. And the camera cuts to the sad little boy with tartar sauce all down his chin. And he isn't looking so sad anymore. And his mum sees his dead dad in her son's face, and the music ends on an uplifting note, and the screen fills with the logo of the double arches. And I thought, did some genius tell them that there was an untapped market in bereaved children that they hadn't monetized yet? Was there statistical evidence to show that sad people can be cured by a squashy damp burger in a styrofoam box? Did some psychological warfare operations team come up with the notion that if you make your audience tearful, they'll seek comfort in fast food? And I thought, f*** -f 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 you, McDonald's! I didn't say it out loud because I was watching it with my mum, but that's what I thought, and having had time to ponder it, I still think that. Unless they are considering sponsoring this podcast, in which case I think that it was inspired advertising for a superb product that I love so much, I would like to have it inside my body. Just as long as it doesn't get there via my mouth. They'll have to find another opening that is not covered in taste buds. That's it. You can get my tremendous books of my tremendous columns on the Kindle site on Amazon. I think you'll find them to be a tremendous. The most recent of which has a picture of me about to have my head bitten off by a monster from the deep. And I'll be back on LBC Friday and Saturday nights at 10. And back here for another one of these world-class podcasts. Last day of May. Until then, I appreciate your attention. A Big Things Media Production. (laughs) Big Things!